Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. On today's show, we've got Patrick Holford once again, the nutrition expert, leading spokesman and author of 46 books. Also one of the inspirations that got me into brain health in the first place after I read The Optimum Nutrition for the Mind. Patrick, last time we spoke about vitamin C and it was super interesting and I had a question, but we were running out of time. I had a question, which is how come during COVID there's been so much awareness of vitamin D, not vitamin C. And I didn't get round to it. But in today's episode, as we are going to focus the entire episode on vitamin D, I want to start there, like why you think that's actually garnered so much more attention in the first place. We started campaigning on vitamin D in the 1980s. And eventually it sort of got into medicine sort of from around 2000. So it's a very strange thing. I mean, to give you a, a parallel here, zinc is absolutely vital in pregnancy, but largely ignored. But iron, you know, is the first thing that a doctor checks with anemia. And in this case, vitamin D has made it into the medical profession. Uh, so certainly for the last five years, it's been reasonably standard that you could get your vitamin D tested if you saw your GP and so on. So vitamin D somehow crossed this line into being an acceptable thing. If I was perhaps conspiratorial, I would sort of say that vitamin C is such a powerful medicine that it would eliminate many, many medicines. Uh, they wouldn't need to be used if we use vitamin C properly. Vitamin D is not really a threat. You know, that's, that's kind of important. Eating a well-balanced diet is not a threat. Exercise is not a threat. Vitamin D is not primarily a threat. But I think it was the medical professions having already embraced vitamin D that allowed it to uh, you know, cross the line. And I worked behind the scenes on a lot of the vitamin D promotion, but focused and set up our vitamincforcovid.com website with a whole lot of experts around the world for the very simple reason I knew vitamin D would be championed. And I knew, you know, vitamin C was not being. And also in, in the UK, we sort of had a lucky break. I mean, uh, perhaps that's not the right way to put it. But uh, when it became very obvious that the, the BAME doctors were dying at a rate much, much higher uh, than, the, than the white doctors, uh, it sort of brought this thing up. And it happened to happen just at the sort of Black Lives Matter sort of point. Uh, so there was this sort of social issue that people with darker skin uh, were dying uh, more readily from COVID than people of lighter skin. And a few, um, a few darker skinned MPs got on the back of it as a sort of social injustice. And of course, it, I mean, it's one of the really extraordinary things. We all know, you know, everybody knows that you don't get flu, you know, in May, June, July, August, September. You know, it starts kind of really in November, December. It peaks in January, February, and usually by the end of March, it's gone. So, you know, that's when you get flu. So what's it got to do with? Now, you ask Joe Bloggs in the street, they'll say, well, it's the winter, isn't it? 
You know, so what's different about the winter to the summer? And the answer is the angle of the sun. I mean, basically, if you stand up and your shadow is longer than your body, you're not making vitamin D. And, you know, one of the obvious things is there were these massive predictions of decimation uh, of, uh, of uh, Africans living, you know, from COVID. And I spend part of my time in Kenya. So uh, I'm two degrees south of the equator. So equatorial Kenya was predicted to be devastated by COVID. It wasn't. Why not? It's pretty obvious. They don't have winter. It's, it's summer all year round. They make vitamin D. So this sort of inability to process the very simple idea that we don't get colds and flu in the summer, we get it in the winter. It's got something to do with the weather and the sunlight. I mean, basically, vitamin D is not a vitamin. I mean, today, if vitamin D was discovered, it would be classified as a hormone, not a vitamin. Most of the vitamin D uh, that we are designed to produce is not made from our diet, it's actually made from the skin. So that 20 or 30 minutes sun exposure uh, will usually produce all the vitamin D you need. And we are evolutionarily designed to be naked, living outdoors, and a lot further south than England. Uh, so it is the very fact that we've migrated out of equatorial regions into you know, very north, very south regions. You cannot get enough vitamin D in the winter. Everyone should supplement vitamin D in the winter. You might have heard a few, a few months ago, the Irish government looked at the evidence, and particularly from Finland, where they supplement a lot of vitamin D, uh, that they were getting much lower COVID deaths. And they told their public, everyone should supplement 1,000 international units, which is a lot more than the RDA. Every day, winter and summer, you know, during these COVID times. So vitamin D is very important. It's fat soluble. We get some from eating oily fish, uh, principally uh, oily fish. We get a little bit from eggs, a little bit from milk, but the largest amount of vitamin D comes from production in the skin. And people have sort of wised up and start to supplement because you can get your vitamin D level tested. You want to have it at the very least above 50 units, ideally above 75, and some argue even uh, up to 100. And we're probably looking at, you know, three quarters of the British population uh, are below 50. So if you ask me how much vitamin D do I need, the answer is whatever gets your blood level up. The older you are, you may need more because you're, you convert it less efficiently. The darker your skin, you may need more. Um, the fatter you are, that you may need more. So you just want to get your level up. And it takes about four days to convert the vitamin D that you eat um, or you make in the skin into the active hormone form. So if I get a cold or flu or COVID, I'm gobbling vitamin C every hour and it's instantly gonna make a difference. Um, but if I suddenly supplement a whole lot of vitamin D, it's actually not really gonna kick in for about four days. So vitamin D is, a, is, is less an emergency medicine and more something we should all be having enough of to make sure your blood level is up at you know, 75 to 100 nanomoles per liter is what I would recommend. And then your whole immune system is going to function better. You know, the body knows what to do with vitamin D. 
It knows what to do with vitamin C. And sometimes the national media have got some, they want to do a, a shock story about the dangers of vitamin A or D or C or whatever it is. And they've contacted me and said, we need a case. And I've got thousands of nutritional therapists and we have our own sort of yellow card reporting system. And I said, I'd really like to help you, but I'm sorry, I don't know of one. You know, it's like, I, I think every year we look at globally at deaths caused by multivitamins and every year, zero, every year, zero. The body knows what to do with nutrients and we're only starting to fathom what is that optimum level. And for vitamin D, it's probably 3000 IUs a day in the winter and 1,000 at other times of year. And by the way, you don't have to take it all in one day. So in other words, if you take seven times the dose once a week, it's just as good. It stores. There's no need to have it every single day. Once a week will do the job as well, if that's easier for you. Okay, so what diseases can occur as a result of prolonged vitamin D deficiency? Well, I mean, the, you know, the one that sort of got it on the map was rickets uh, because your bones start to degenerate. So risk of things like osteoporosis are, you know, very clearly there. But I think one thing that has been learned um, is that vitamin D is also terribly important for the muscles. Uh, so I know a lot of people who've had uh, sort of arthritic type conditions, but basically they've got weak knees, weak hips, weak joint and musculature. And one of the things that has not really been fully published on and explored yet is what happens when you go a little bit higher and give something like 5,000 units of vitamin D. Get your vitamin D level above 100, maybe to 125. And this is also terribly important for cancer as well. Vitamin D, which is a hormone, it's not a vitamin, has probably about 300 different interactions in the body. So it it activates genes, it activates the immune system. It's an all-rounder, and that's what we learn in nutrition. We learn that vitamin D is an all-rounder. We learn that omega-3, it's good for so many things, that's a no-brainer. Uh, stabilizing your blood sugar, not eating too many carbs, uh, that is absolute no-brainer. That's, again, driver of so many diseases. And ultimately, where I've got to in nutrition is if you cover you know, the, the four factors, which is one is your blood sugar control. You've learned how to eat what we call a low glycemic load. Two, the fats. And by the way, I include their omega-3 and vitamin D, terribly important. Uh, number three, making sure ultimately that your homocysteine is low, which is B vitamins. B vitamins are very important, but in my world, I would always measure someone's homocysteine over 50. And number four is antioxidants. If you're covering those four bases in what you eat and what you supplement, you're covered. Two weeks ago, a study came out and it showed that there are only two markers that predict dementia. One, homocysteine. We spoke about that in an earlier podcast. Two, cholesterol. Low cholesterol is one of the strongest indicators of dementia risk, having a cholesterol at about four. There is no risk of cholesterol below six. However, I think partly to sell more statins, they lowered the normal range down to five. Many people have had heart attacks with no low cholesterol, put on statins, which lower your cholesterol, just because, uh, no real good evidence for a benefit if you don't have a raised cholesterol. 
and it's driven their cholesterol down too low to, for example, four, and increase the risk of dementia. So the brain needs fats. It needs omega-3, it needs cholesterol, uh, it needs vitamin D. And so do your sex organs. So sex drive and hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, etc., they also depend uh, on getting enough of the brain fat. So, for example, people who take statins, the two most, well, the three most common side effects, one is foggy mind, brain fog, two is lack of sex drive, and three is decrease in energy. Um, you know, if you're prescribed a drug like a statin, you say, is that what's causing my problem? So the, the intelligent question, if you do, for example, have a high cholesterol, is what am I doing that makes my cholesterol high? Uh, taking a drug that blocks your ability to make something which is natural is obviously not the cause. So I'm not saying there aren't, you know, drugs that work and help, et cetera, et cetera. But if they're not really tackling the true cause, then you haven't removed the problem. You always have to ask, what's the cause of my health problem? And I think the last thing I just want to get you to take is just to remind us on some of the specific benefits of vitamin D in the brain. The higher your vitamin D, uh, the better your cognition and memory. So that's really important. Uh, we know that the higher the vitamin D, the lower is your risk later in life of developing um, dementia. Um, the higher your vitamin D, it's associated with better mood. And of course, that's uh, you know also seasonally related. So if you are prone to low mood in the winter, the question is why? You may say it's a lack of sunlight. Um, fair enough. But what is it about sunlight? And one of the effects of sunlight is vitamin D. So in relation to your mind, it's going to improve your mood, it's going to improve your memory, and it's going to dementia-proof you later in life. And that's what we all want. Love it. Patrick, thank you so much. It's been a massive pleasure speaking to you. I just want to remind people to go to foodforthebrain.org and help Patrick out and yourself out, really, by contributing to the great research and science that he is doing with his organization and charity, Food for the Brain, so you can take the cognitive function test and really just stay up to date with the great work that you guys are doing there. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. Did you know Heights started as a newsletter that I've written every week for years? I'm still doing it, and I'd love it to reach your inbox too. So, for weekly science-backed emails on the best ways to take care of your most important organ all in under three minutes, sign up at yourheights.com forward slash Sundays. See you next week.